dads out there, happy Father's Day. My name is Olivia and we are so excited that you're here with us this morning. In a moment, the band is going to come out and sing a few worship songs. Then we're going to hear an important and powerful message from one of North Church's Bible teachers. They're going to encourage and inspire us to go deeper in our relationship with the Lord. All in all, you can expect service to last about one hour. If you want to know more about what's going on throughout North Church, check us out online at northchurch.net. Scroll to the bottom of the page and click on the e-bulletin. There you'll be able to read all that's going on at the church. But if you find that you still have questions, feel free to visit the information counter out in the lobby. There some volunteers will be happy to answer any questions you might have. Also, check out our coffee bar. There's a wide variety of drinks and pastries, and it's all supported by your generosity. Part of North Church's mission is to connect people in healthy and growing relationships. So if this is your first time at North Church, or if you've been coming for a couple weeks now, we would love to meet you. So please take the time after service to go to a brief meeting called First Connect. There you'll be able to connect with the host pastor and learn what your next steps are for plugging in to the church. North Church loves pouring into the next generation of believers, so we want to let you know that summer camps are around the corner. From kids third grade all the way to high school, this is a great opportunity for kids to grow in their faith and just have fun. Registration is quickly filling up, so do not hesitate to contact Pastor Nate or Pastor Kenny if you have any questions. Here at North Church, we are family, and we love helping one another take our next steps towards Christ. So as the kids are gearing up to go to camp this summer, they're going to put on a fundraiser. There's going to be a car wash June 30th in the North Church parking lot to support them going to camp. So if you have any questions, contact Pastor Kenny. Those are all the announcements we have for you today. If after service you find that you're in need of prayer, please step forward and a member of our prayer team will be happy to pray with you. Also, get out your mobile device and check into North Church on Facebook right now because every three check-ins provides one item for a welcome basket for refugee families coming to Spokane. All right, now it's time to sing. Will you please stand?
Yes. Well, good morning and happy Father's Day to all the dads. How many of you are dads out there? All right. Let's give them a warm applause. We appreciate you. Dads work hard to be in dads. I mean, I know all about it. You're needed. So we're, we're excited that you're with us today. Hey, if you are new or newer to the church, I would love to meet you. And uh, the way we can pull that off is directly after the service, right over there by that monitor. I'll be hanging out there for about five minutes. So come over and say hello, and we'll help you get better connected here. Also, just as a reminder, every single Sunday after uh, the service, we have prayer right over here. Some of our prayer team available to always stand with you in prayer with whatever's going on in your life. So make sure and access that. And uh, let's turn around and say hello to somebody that's near you that maybe you haven't met before. Welcome them this morning. Kids camp, man. It's exciting. It's fun. It's a good time, and kids come to Jesus. There's kids kayaking. There's kids swimming. There's. <laughs> you see what's going on around here? Yes. You know everyone's swimming, having fun. It's just a blast here at camp. Gives you a chance to make more friends. You have fun everywhere. Yeah, I like it here. <laughs> We're ziplining! Giant swing, that's pretty fun too. There's mini golf, there's volleyball, there's even a snack shack. Games are a lot of fun. Super crazy, everybody's having a great time and just running around. Everyone's loud, everyone's scraping. It's really fun. Chapel time is my favorite time of camp. You get to go in and sing songs. They're worshiping Jesus, they're raising their hands, they're jumping up and down. It's like a big concert. You like dance and you can sing. It's really fun and everybody's screaming. Go and be the light of the world. Well, he tells us stories and he relates that to the Bible. And I think they really take it to heart because when we talk about it in cabin time, they, they're really interested in our questions and conversations. One thing that we learned is that um, Jesus is our anchor. That we are loved by God. All we're trying to do is just like, get to know God better. That's one of my wishes is to become a little closer to Him. All right, well that's our Transform Kids Camp coming up very soon. So if you have a third through fifth grader, uh, you're a parent of a third through fifth grader or a grandparent and would love to see your kid go to camp, make sure and sign up for that today. Uh, kids camp, uh, we always had our kids go to kids camp and it is not just your typical kind of go and have fun, though these, these guys have a lot of fun, but they also have this meaningful time where they're, they're praying, they're getting prayer, uh, prayed for, they're praying for others, they're worshiping Jesus. And really it's a transformational time where 
a kid's faith can become their own. So not just their parents' faith, but something that is real to them, a stake in the ground where they're gonna live for God the rest of their life. And that's what I want. I, I think our kids need those significant experiences where they get out of their typical kind of comfort zones and their peer pressure that's there and get into a place where all these people love God and uh, they can be themselves. So, hey, if you haven't uh, yet signed your kid up for camp, make sure and do that today before you leave. Well, let's stand up together. We're gonna worship God. And the cool thing about God is he is a perfect heavenly father. You know, today's Father's Day, and for many, that's a wonderful day, a day to celebrate a dad in your life. Uh, for some, you know, it's a tough day because maybe you didn't have a father that you were close to or there was one that uh, it was a distance in the relationship or maybe your dad's not even with you anymore. And I just want to remind us that we serve a perfect father, a perfect father. And the scripture tells us how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. God lavishes his love on us through the sending of his son, Jesus. And today, in this moment, as we go into our time to sing and worship, we have the opportunity to lavish some love back on our Father. So God, we just commit this day to you. We thank you, God, that you are that perfect heavenly Father that loves us with a lavishness, with a love that is deep and sacrificial. And God, we wanna love you back today, in Jesus' name. Let's worship. We start off just thanking God for the places He's taken us through, the places He's taken us through. Thank you for the wilderness. Thank you for the wilderness, where I learned to thirst for Your presence. If I'd never known that place. How could I have known you were better? Thank you for the lonely times When I learned to live in the silence As the other voices fade I can hear you calling me It's worth it all just to know you more. You've done great things, Jesus. Your love never fails me. My soul will see you have done great things. Thank you for. Stay close. 
you today because the greatest thing you have ever done for us was send your son. So we lift you high. Forever we will sing of your glory.
that uh, all the men would just stand up for a moment. You don't have to be a dad. Just a man. Stand up. Boy. Youth. Student. I, I, I just feel like God wants to encourage you. And so I want to encourage you. I don't want to, you know, I know maybe it feels awkward. You're standing and everyone else is sitting. But just go with me on this for a moment that we often look at ourselves and we look at our shortcomings and we look at the areas where we don't measure up. We tend to discount ourselves more than we really should. And there's a very important part that men play in society and church and family. And I know that, uh, you know, we're all different as guys and we all express our masculinity different. There's people here who are literal warriors and football stars and there's others that are poets and artists and musicians and uh, we just come from all these different places and we're, we're not all the same cookie cutter but but God has designed us as masculine beings to to express an, a part of his character that can only come through you as those who rise up and stand in the gap for others who fight injustice, who bring protection, who um, 
who bring affirmation. God wants to use you to bring affirmation in a way that is powerful, that you, you underestimate how your words can be used to establish people in your life, especially younger people and especially younger boys and younger men. And that God has, you, wants to use you to call out, to coach and to mentor others. Yes, each one in your own way, but there's something special there. And so I wanna pray for the men of our church right now. And uh, if you'll all join us, Lord, we just thank you for these men. Lord, we pray, God, that you will bless them and strengthen them in their innermost being, God, that you will reveal to each one in their unique way, God, how you have designed and made them and to step into that calling, Lord. Lord, to not shy away, to not just be focused on the negative or on the areas where we don't measure up or where someone else seems more spiritual than us. Lord, we pray, God, would you help us as men, God, see our function, see the gifting that we bring uniquely into this world and into our families, into, into our friendship circles and into our workplaces. Lord, I pray that you, God, will bless each one here and give each one of us greater vision and greater sense of affirmation coming from you as your sons that you're well pleased with and that through that we can give that affirmation out as well to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to have a seat. And I want to just give this time right now just to pray. Would you pray uh, as the Lord leads you? Maybe you want to lift up uh, a guy, a man, a father, a grandfather that's, that's uh, here or not in the room, whatever that may be, would you pray right now? God, we are, we are thankful, God, for the men, the dads, the mentors, the coaches, the people you've put on our lives to uh, reflect your character in those ways. So thank you for them. Bless them this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Hey, we're going to receive uh, our tithes and offerings here in just a second. So if you're one of those people who are in that regular habit of giving and contributing financially towards what God's doing here, that is awesome. You'll want to get that ready. Thank you for being a part of everything that we're doing here at the church and really through the church to serve in the community. You want to get that gift ready. Maybe you're one of those who are uh, watching with us on Facebook Live this morning, staying connected through the summer. That way, you're able to give through text to give or online giving as well. It's not really about how you give or what the technology is you use to give. It's just that when we give, that's just another piece of our heart that we're saying, God, it belongs to you, and we want to be used by you to accomplish your purposes. So, ushers, if you would come on forward, you can receive uh, the offering. While that's taking place, I'm going to let you in on a little Kilpatrick family secret. Um, I just got surprised between services. My two kids showed up from out of town for Father's Day, and they're here, so I'm really excited. I know. Quite honestly, the first service went really well. I was just going to mail in this second service, but now that they're here, I've got to step up the game and raise the bar a little bit. So that should be to everybody's benefit, right? Hey, we're, uh, we're continuing on in our series on the Ten Commandments. We're, this is our third week in this particular series, right? And if you'll recall, we're calling the series The Good Life because the Ten Commandments are not just rules that we're supposed to follow or ways to make sure that God's not mad at us, but, but God specifically constructed these ten pieces of instruction to say, hey, if my people who I'm calling into relationship with me, if they'll live this way, if they'll put these principles into practice, it's not just that I'll be happy and I won't destroy them, it's that the, following these rules and these instructions produces a quality of life in the society that's good. A society that's not hampered by sin and broken by dysfunction, but a society that represent God, represents God's good heart all the time. And from what I'm hearing, we're having a great time in this series. I talked to a young lady the other week who said, Pastor Scott, I am loving the Ten Commandments series. Are we almost done yet? <laughs> I said, no, we've only done two of them. She said, well, how many are left? <laughs> so I asked her where she went to school. And the conversation went really downhill from there. Somebody else came and said, Pastor Scott, love this series. Two commandments, I'm two for two. I was like, I don't know if that's two for two, like obeying the commandments, two for two violating the commandments, or just that you've shown up two weeks in a row. Either way, congratulations. But now we're on week three, and we're on this particular commandment, where the Lord says that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, because surely the Lord will not hold blameless the one who takes his name in vain. And I know that there are some who are here who are like, are you kidding me? Oh my God, I showed up for the sermon on not taking the Lord's name in vain. Can you believe it? I've already blown it already. <laughs> and I think that's because there, is a, uh, there are layers to this particular commandment that maybe we've never got past the surface. And this morning, we're going to look at some of the stuff that's right up there on the surface and we're going to look at some of the stuff that underlies that down below the at the foundational level as well. See, there is a component. There's that surface layer to this commandment about not taking the Lord's name in vain that really does involve not articulating his name in places where we shouldn't articulate his name. I mean, we all know that like, generally we shouldn't swear and curse. But then this commandment means that when we're swearing and when we're cursing, we especially shouldn't use God's name right alongside of that. And for some of us, though, that's the only piece of this commandment that we've ever heard that way. And there, there's value to it, there's meaning, and that is an appropriate 
uh, interpretation. It's an appropriate application of this passage, to be sure. The idea is that we're not going to use the sacred, holy, and perfect name of our God and drag it down into the realm of the merely human where we live that way. And let's be honest, when we tend to use the Lord's name that way, it's when we're angry. It's when we're mad. And then occasionally, occasionally, there'll be an, oh my gosh, oh my God, I'm so happy. But mostly it's when we're angry and just pounded our thumb with the hammer rather than the nail, right? And the idea that we have to remember at this point is this, that there's nothing so good in our human experience that it's better than the perfection of the holy name of our God. And there is nothing so painful and difficult in our human experience that we should ever bring God's holy and perfect name down to it that way. And that's the heart behind this commandment. Now, my son, at some point along the way, and I'm not sure where it was, I don't know whether it was my influence or Rochelle's influence or the church's influence, whether it was some friends at school or he just came up with it on his own, but at some point he really connected with this idea that he shouldn't be using the name of God just kind of flippantly and then occasionally wherever he wanted. And so instead of saying, oh my God, in those kinds of moments, he got into the habit of saying, oh my dad. <laughs> which in a perverse and really dysfunctional way felt great to me <laughs> at the beginning. But then I realized it really happened when he was angry or upset or mad or frustrated and my name came to mind and I didn't like that. It's not like he saw a really noble movie that raised his spirits and saw people fighting injustice and he said, oh my dad, that is so like him. No, it was when he hurt. It was when he lost, it was when he felt pain. That's when, when my name came to his mind. As a dad, I didn't necessarily love that use of my name. I found it mildly inappropriate. I think our, our sense of the protection and the value, the significance and the power of God's name is something similar, right? Where we don't want to undervalue the power and significance of the name of God by using it in these circumstances that are just uh, beneath the goodness and the glory of God. And that really is the first layer of this commandment, not to take the Lord's name in vain. Here's a second layer for you. And it has to do with this idea that on occasion we are tempted because we lack the integrity of our own or we lack the reputation of our own that we, we had. When we feel like our integrity or our reputation is not good enough, we'll try to leverage God's reputation and God's integrity. Like if I told you, oh sure, I'll do that. You can trust me, you can trust my character and my reputation. If when I say that I feel like, I don't think that's enough for them. Then I might say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I follow God, so you can trust me not because of who I am and not because of my character, but you can trust me because of my association with him. You know what the problem with that is? We're imperfect. And eventually, when we attach God's name to our behavior and then we fail, we've brought his name into disrepute, right? We've tried to cash in on his reputation and cash in on his integrity, only we break the deal up. And when we do this, we don't raise our trustworthy up the way we think we do, we actually bring God down to our broken level. And that is an insult to the perfection of his name. Um, Years ago, I was really convicted. Um, 
I, I had the cute little fish sticker on the Christian sticker and cross on the back of my car, but I didn't drive like that at all. Like I was saying, hey, look, I represent the good and holy creator God who loves you all, but get the heck out of my way. <laughs> and some of you do that too. And to those of you who drive like that but keep the Christian sticker off of your car, I simply want to say thank you. You are not violating the third commandment. <laughs> but for those of you with the sticker, how are you doing with God's reputation? I always hope when I see businesses that advertise and they use the symbols of our faith, the fish, the cross, the whatever, I always kind of say this silent prayer to myself, oh, I hope that their business practices line up with the goodness and the truth and the integrity of our God. I hope so. To the extent that they do, that's fantastic. But to the extent that they don't, that becomes a violation of this very commandment that we can't just trade and leverage God's reputation to our own benefit. Right? I think this is what Jesus has in mind when he said, look, don't make a bunch of promises, but he says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Live your life with the kind of integrity that you don't have to make outrageous promises and swear against the character of the living God in order to convince people that you'll do right by them. But live a life of yes is yes, no and no, no is no, open and integrity. Live that life. Think of that person who's working on your car in the garage this week. How do you want them to run their business? Run your business that way, with integrity, with integrity, with honesty, and with trust. There's, a, there's another, maybe more practical application of kind of this idea of, not trying to, of trying not to leverage God's goodness and integrity and authority in ways that we sometimes do. It's Father's Day, so I'm gonna address this to the dads but moms, you're included too. With our kids, with our kids, I remember there were times when I desperately wanted them to obey. But for whatever reason, I didn't have what it took to get them to obey. And there were occasions where I said, well, they won't obey me. Maybe I can get them to obey God. Maybe they fear him more than they fear me. And so, I would, uh, I would attach the God wants you to to something that was really my wish. I mean, we understand, right? God may not really want them to eat the peas and the carrots right now. God may not care if the shirt matches the pants. And even at more serious levels about maybe does God want you to go to your friend's house or to watch that movie or fill in the blank with the age-appropriate issue with your kids? It's really important that we don't take what sometimes amount to just our own opinions and ideas and thoughts and try and boost their value with our kids by saying, God wants. You know what happens when we do that? Oh, we may get momentary compliance. But one of the things we signal to our kids, unfortunately, is that the name of God is not majestic, powerful, overwhelming, and true. We present the name of God as something that we just use to leverage our own wishes. And that's a tragedy. We do that at our peril. We give our kids an unclear and inaccurate view of the name of our God when we do that. We're not allowed, according to this commandment, to leverage God's goodness, his power, his strength, or his authority for our own purposes. Because when we do, that's a violation of this commandment. When we do that, the world that we live in then becomes less good. 
So here's a third layer of this command. Who knew there were so many, right? Here's another one. It, and it really plays off of the original meanings of the uh, meaning of the words that we now say, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And because culturally we've tended to think about that as don't say his name out loud in certain circumstances, we miss the intent of the original language, which is don't bear the name of your God in vain. Don't carry his name with you. Don't represent him inappropriately. Um, See, Israel at this point, the, the commandments come right at the point when they're leaving Egypt and they're becoming God's chosen people. The people who are identified by their faith in this particular God. They are literally carrying his name as their existence. And he's saying to them, when you do that, don't live out your life in such a way that it gives an inaccurate, a vain, an inappropriate picture of who I am that way. That would be, in, in today's terms, a radical trademark violation. Let's not live our lives in, in such a way that we violate God's trademark upon us. The trademark that we have when we call him ourselves by his name. Right across the parking lot is North Park Athletic Club. It's a great gym, right? Picture this. What if I went over there today and bought myself a North Park t-shirt? Maybe two, three sizes too small. Stuffed my frame into that t-shirt as much as I could and it would stop like right around here at the top and hanging out from under the North Park t-shirt is my hairy belly. <laughs> and I'm going, North Park, great gym. <laughs> I know there's a couple of you go, I want to work out at that kind of gym. That's my kind of place. But mostly what would happen is North Park would buy me somebody else's t-shirt as fast as they could. Because they would be saying, hey, you may have our name on your shirt, but you do not represent us at all. And to the extent that you do, you're doing us an injustice. And the tragedy is that we sometimes stuff our lives into the Christian camp in a way that doesn't fit, in a way that is atrocious, <laughs> and in a way that captures people's attention and gives them an entirely wrong view of who our God is. And I believe that what God would say to us through this third commandment is to say, when we do that, when we bear the banner of Christ, but we do it in a way that is not Christ-like, we do the world an incredible disservice. We do them harm. We paint a picture of a God who isn't real and who isn't true and we undermine his impact in the life of the world who needs him so desperately. The call to the third commandment is a call to live a life that responsibly reflects who God is and how he calls us to live. And you can imagine that like, what I'm talking about is this. When you and I live a life of, of selfishness, when we gossip, when someone harms us and we choose not to forgive, right? when we see needs in front of us but we just ignore them, the life that we're living doesn't match up to the banner that we're carrying. And until it does, we, we do the God whose banner it is an incredible injustice. But you can also imagine that if in the name of our God, we would become selfless, if our primary orientation would be to choose to forgive others when they do us wrong, that we would say, hey, I may hear a story about somebody, but it is stopping there because I refuse to gossip and pass it forward. And when I see the needs of others, I'm going to address them and meet them to the extent that I can. You can see that if we in this room would do this, in our city, in our city, if the world would do this, we would be headed towards a radically good life 
the good life for which God designed these particular commandments. One last layer that I want to make sure and to touch on as well when we talk about this third commandment. And at its heart, this third commandment about not taking the name of the Lord in vain speaks to the issue that we must never, ever commit evil in the name of the Lord. We must must never claim some God-based justification for doing things that are evil. So we might, for instance, look back across centuries to the Crusades, right? Where in the name of Christ and the kingdom of God, people left and, and made war and killed and slaughtered and for a whole bunch of other motives as well, did things that were, we can say from a distance, were objectively evil. That's, that's a violation of this commandment because that's using the name of the Lord to perpetrate evil. We can look into that area in our own country's history, in the civil rights area, uh, civil rights era, when, when many people were fighting to bring a greater level of equality and a greater level of justice to a, to a group that had not experienced equality or justice. And in working towards that, there was a lot going on. And there were those at the time who, in the name of God and using words in the Bible, tried to fight against justice, tried to prevent equality, and tried to continue to oppress those who were already oppressed. And they did that in the name of God and under the banner of Christ. A direct and a a compelling violation of this, the third commandment. We can look in the news today and see people of, you know, uh, I would say religious extremists who are willing to cut off the heads of people with whom they disagree with, right, with whom they disagree religiously to make a political point, to create an era of terror, terror and to, to move things in the direction they want for it. They commit acts of horrific evil, but they do it under the banner of religion. Again, a third commandment violation. The fact of the matter is this, that as followers of God intent on obeying his word and this commandment in particular, we are never allowed to perpetrate evil on others because of our faith in God. And it's easy to look way back at the Crusades or to the civil rights or even look more currently at religious extremists, but I'd like to look a little bit also in this regard at where we live right now, today, in this world. We live by virtue of being Americans. We live in America and we live in a society that is incredibly pluralistic. That's by design. Lots of different views, lots of different ideas, and everybody's welcome. Because of this, there's a lot of diversity within our society. There's political diversity. There's religious diversity. There's ethnic diversity. There's socioeconomic diversity. There's a diversity of ideas around sexual orientation and definitions of marriage, and there's this emerging diversity in the understanding of what even the idea of gender means. There's a lot of diversity in this world in which we live, right? And diversity creates categories. Always it, could, it creates categories. Specifically, diversity creates the category of us, those who are like-minded, share the same features, share the same ideas, share the same convictions. There's us, and then there are them. 
the people who don't share those features, those traits, those ideas, and those convictions. It's impossible to have diversity without some sense of us and some sense of them. The question for us as followers of Jesus Christ, who say if we're gonna carry the name of our God, we're gonna, we're gonna not do it in vain, we're not gonna misrepresent him, but we're gonna live our lives in a way that represents him well. How are we called to treat the other? The people who come down on the other side of the issue, the people who see things differently. How are we called to respond to the other, whatever that other means? And the answer is we must only respond to them in the way that God responds to them. And God's response to them is overwhelmingly and unequivocally a response of love. That's, that's probably worth acknowledging. So what is happening when Christian people, people who literally carry the name of Christ, mistreat and belittle and oppress the other? Well, whatever else is happening, there is a, an incredible violation of this third commandment. When, when Christians mistreat and belittle those who disagree with them, or those who behave or live differently than them, or those who hold a different ideology than them, when Christians mistreat them, they are perpetrating an evil in the name of the God they serve. Again, this is prohibited by this third commandment. Sometimes that evil is direct and it's intentional and it's intended, and other times it's more passive and it's just a quiet refusal to stand up for those who may be being oppressed or wounded. In either case, the third commandment is being violated. And in all cases, when Christians dem demonstrate anything other than genuine love, warm embrace, solidarity in standing against mistreatment, and a strong affirmation of God's deep, deep love and care, anything less than that constitutes a violation of the third commandment. So, if our Christian convictions about anything, whether that's a conviction about sexual orientation or gender or a definition of marriage, if it leads us to mistreat or disrespect the people with whom we disagree, we are perpetrating an evil against them in the name of God. And we are hypocritical because we stand in direct violation of this commandment. We are carrying the name of God inappropriately at that point. Now let me be clear. People who are following God and, and living to be people of the word, those, we, we have an obligation, a duty, a responsibility to search the scriptures and come to biblical conclusions and to come to uh, good conclusions about what the Bible does say about all of these issues. We search out the scriptures, we study as best we can, we, we find the best teaching we can, and it is the responsibility of Bible-believing Christians to come to good biblical conclusions on all of those issues, and having come to those conclusions, to live them out with a passionate obedience, to be sure. But right now, I'm not addressing the issue of where do we land on those convictions. I'm addressing the issue of what the Bible says about how we treat those who land at a different place. The time will come, and we will talk about those convictions and what the Bible says about those issues. But in the meantime, what does the Bible say about how we interact and treat those who land in a different place than we do? It says we either love them with the love of God, we either embrace them with the open arms that Jesus embraces people with, or 
we violate this commandment and we bear the name of Christ in vain. I grew up in a home that was strongly defined by us and them. My parents um, both graduated from the University of Southern California and as a result are avid and lifelong fans of that particular football program. Fight on. Fight on. <laughs> That's the us. If you're a USC fan, the other is UCLA, the crosstown rival. They're the bad guys. It'd be like you know, Washington State's the good guys, the Huskies are the bad guys. Same kind of thing. But I grew up in a home that was avid about college football and avid about the hatred of all things UCLA. I'm warming you up. There's only 69 days till the start of college football season. It's right around the corner. So let's get going. So here's the deal. There was what amounted to an annual holiday in our home when USC played UCLA and we would get all dressed up in the gear and we'd turn on the TV and we'd make some snacks and we would go ballistic as our team trampled their team. It was wonderful. And I was so excited for the time when I got to invite this girl I was dating, her name was Rochelle, I got to invite her to come and join my family for the annual USC UCLA game. I thought this is gonna be great. And she said she'd be there, which was awesome. Now, I didn't really think this through. Rochelle was not familiar with the whole USC, UCLA thing. She was from a different part of the country. But she did know this. She had a UCLA sweatshirt. <laughs> I know, right? How did I not see that coming? And so the doorbell rings. I open the door, and there is this girl that I'm starting to fall in love with, and she's wearing their sweatshirt. And as if that wasn't awkward enough, now I had to walk in and say, hey, hey, mom, dad, guess who's here? <laughs> Them. <laughs> and my parents in that moment had a decision that they needed to make. They needed to decide, were they gonna relate to her based on the identity of the sweatshirt that she wore on the outside? Or were they gonna relate to her based on my feelings for her? I'm really pleased to be able to announce that they chose the latter. And they dealt with Rochelle based on my feelings for her, not their feelings towards the sweatshirt. Oh, they got her another sweatshirt. We, that, that absolutely <laughs> happened. And don't tell them, but she might still have the UCLA sweatshirt, but they don't need to know. But they said, this is a person we will relate to based on our son's love for her, rather than the trappings of what she wears. Isn't it possible that when we encounter the other, that we have that same choice to make? I'm gonna ask you about the other that you encounter today and into this week and at work and in every other location. When that moment comes, you have a choice to make. Will you interact with them based on the identity of whatever sweatshirt they're wearing, whatever issue they land on, whatever that is? Or will you choose to say, I'm gonna interact with them based on the feelings that the God I serve and whose name I bear has towards them. Because he loves them. And he wants the best for them. And he wants to see them prosper. And he gave himself for them. And he died for them. And he embraces them. Will you interact with them based on that? Or will you insist on interacting on the basis of your own petty prejudices? I better close in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly Father, 
we, in our hearts, bow before the power and the glory and the majesty of your name. God, would you help us to experience your name as something that is holy and sacred and significant? And God, as we live this life out, would you empower us to represent that name well to others? God, where that's necessary, will you help us to get past ourselves? And in all cases, God, would you help us to live a life that pleases you and represents you well in Jesus' name? Amen. Thank you, Scott. Oh, my daddy. <laughs> Let's stand up together, can we? Sign-ups are available out there for you, uh, for those who have kids for Transform Camp. I want to meet uh, those that may be newer, newer. Over here, under this monitor, our prayer team will be over here. Have a great Father's Day, everybody. See you next week.